Sit back and listen and enjoy my podcast about health, wellness, fitness, yoga, business, and life. I talk about everything from ways of eating healthy, mindfulness, yoga, working out, manifesting, to pop culture, momming, adulting. I try to have fun and laugh at myself along the way of my sometimes stressed out and frazzled life. This is Fit, Fun, and Frazzled, and I am your host, Nikki Lanigan. I'm really loving my Saqqara Protein Plus Greens Super Powder right now. It helps support lean muscle, supports cetacean, and support detoxification. I add this powder to my smoothies in the morning. It's an organic mix of pea, hemp, pumpkin seed, and sesame proteins, and it helps your body absorb it. It fuels it. Together, these seeds and protein in this blend have the essential amino acids the body needs to support lean muscle development. I love Saqqara. I've been using it almost daily. I also use their metabolism super powders. I am loving their beauty and water detox water drops. I get them both The beauty water drops are great to replenish minerals missing from your tap water or your bottled water. And then the detox water drops are antioxidant-rich blend of chlorophyll, and it's harvested from the white mulberry leaf for maximum healing benefits, including helping your body rid toxins. Right now, whatever you get on Saqqara.com, put in my code, all caps, XO Nikki Wellness for 20% off. This will be in my show notes also. This is episode 140 of Fit, Fun, and Frazzled. I'm your host, Nikki Lanigan, and welcome back and thanks for joining me again. Today, I'm joined by my guest, Avina Del Pizzo. She is a fitness educator and trainer. She is one of the top 30 most inspiring entrepreneurs in LA. She is the anti-diet advocate, gym owner, and author, trainer, and model. Avina is a fitness model, bodybuilding competitor, and owner of Built Strong Strength Club with her husband, Will. In her early years, Avina was fortunate enough to travel the States with famed tanning oil company, Hawaiian Tropic. When the pageant circuit was cut from Hawaiian Tropic program in 2010, Avina found the NPC and quickly transitioned to bikini category and competition. Avina quickly found herself last, like 40th, in her first competition, but kept going until she eventually placed fifth in her first show in 2013. From there, she desired to learn more and modified her training regime and made her way up the ladder to finally placing overall in the NPC. PC Ironman Naturally 2016. She quickly found herself writing for magazines, speaking at colleges, and overseeing a training department at a local gym. Eventually, Avina and her husband Will founded and started Built Strong Strength Club in California. She is also the author of Stretch for Success, a guide to help competitors feel their best and move great on stage. This is a step-by-step guide for anyone who wants to take their competitive competitive posing to the next level. It is designed for anyone who competes in the fitness world or even for women who want to feel more confident and comfortable in their own bodies. I'm really excited about our conversation today. We talk about what Avina thinks of the fitness diet trends, how she got started in the fitness industry, what she would like to see change in the industry, and what she likes to continue, how her own mindset shifted, changed, and how she evolved. We talk about some postpartum questions, listener questions, and advice she would wish she could give her younger self. You can contact Avina. Her website is builtstrongstrength.com. Instagram is at builtstrongstrength. Facebook is builtstrongstrength. She also has YouTube that is also Built Strong Strength and others. Another website, builtstrongstrength.medium.com. Go to my show notes. All the links will be right there, so you just click on it. 
Welcome back to Fit, Fun, and Frazzled. I'm your host, Nikki Lanigan, and today I am joined by my guest, Avina Del Pizzo. Thank you for coming on, Avina. How are you? Nikki, I'm really excited to be here, and thank you for having me on your show. I really look forward to having a great conversation with you today. Well, I've been following you on Instagram and you post the most inspiring posts and I want to thank you again, but can you just tell the listeners who you are and what you do? Yeah. So my, my name is Vivian Del Pizzo. I um, currently live in Southwest California and pretty much what I do is I, I actually opened a gym in 2018. I'm a personal trainer. I am an anti-diet advocate. I really push people to be more healthy, more well-rounded. I love. Um, teaching people about the importance of stress and mobility. Um, I'm a former bikini competitor. I, I, in my very early modeling days, I was a Miss Hawaiian topic pageant queen. And so I'm pretty much a jack of all trades. And um, I got into fitness maybe in 2009 and just kind of fell in love with it ever since and stuck with it. So you said you are anti-diet and I've listened to you on other podcasts and the host mentioned, um, if someone, a client comes to you with an eating disorder, how do you train them or what do you say for that? Yeah, it's, there's, there's a whole other, um, space to really talk about our relationship with food. And, um, and this is again, coming from my experience and how I handled my, like my modeling career, right. It was really Mm -hmm. based on always dieting, always trying to fit into a size zero or double zero. And I'm five ten. Um, yeah. And so fitting into those small sizes meant that I had to be anywhere between 100 to 110 pounds at five ten, mm-hmm. And it really did a number on my own personal body disorder. So when I got into fitness and when I got into being a personal trainer and a coach, I got a lot of questions about how to diet. And unfortunately, the methods that I was using very early on were very, um, very dangerous. And so I eventually saw that I was not being of service to the people around to be helpful. And so transitioned that to, to going back to your question, how do I train people? I don't, I, I mm-hmm. go back into keeping it simple and saying, okay, let's just, let's just talk about how you feel around food. Let's talk, let's start writing things down um, in terms of not necessarily food journaling, but how do you feel when you eat? How do you, um, you know, how, how can you look at food instead of associating that a carbohydrate is bad for you? Because that is the association, right? Carbohydrates are bad. Fats are bad. Then if that was the case, you don't get the opportunity to eat almost any food that's available to you when really we've we've surrounded ourselves, um, you know, the the diet culture has surrounded themselves around like fat-free this or, you know, um, sugar-free this. And, And really when you take away a lot of these, these quote unquote substitutes, these fats or these sugars, you're having to replace them with a lot of substitutes that are artificial that can cause a lot more detrimental issues later on in the future. And there's been studies that have been associated with that. And so I, I bring it back to let's just learn how to eat whole foods, mm-hmm. um, un, not unprocessed, but as best as you possibly can, right? And then maybe even look at how you feel when you eat certain food groups and then revisit that. Um, there, there is a book that I always recommend to people to read, and it's called um, The Eating Disorder Trap. There has been, uh, a again, a whole discussion around um, the diet culture, obesity, weight loss, and everything like that. Yeah. And, and, um, and that also has to do with BMI, right? So mm-hmm. when we, when we, go to the doctor and then they say, oh, you know, you're underweight, you're overweight. What, what techniques are they using? They're just using a BMI method. They're just using a method that is so outdated and has been completely misrepresented for a large demographic because it's not taking into accountability of, you know, race, height, culture, um, uh, uh, let's talk about sex, right? Because the, the, mm-hmm. the original... The original study was done on just men. It wasn't done on women, women of color. It wasn't done on um, socioeconomic background. You're not taking all these other factors that really play a role into how somebody is is looking and feeling at their best, right? Because every time I go to the doctor, they say you're underweight. You're underweight. 
uh, naturally I'm thin and tall. Mm-hmm. My husband is, is considered obese when he goes. And, but we're both incredibly athletic. So yeah. doctors will say to him, you need to lose weight. Doctors will say to me, you need to gain weight. And the reality is I consume 3,000 calories a day, 3,300 if I'm breastfeeding. My husband eats very healthy. So going back to your question, and I know I went off a little tangent, but I, no. I really try to reframe the idea behind food, weight loss, and the conversations around it. So, um, and, and really, when it comes to somebody who does have an eating disorder, I try to redirect outside of my scope, because that is outside of my scope. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll encourage somebody to say, hey, maybe you should talk to somebody who has um, psychotherapy background in eating disorders. And 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 talk to somebody that that has that background. I'm here for support always. Yeah. I this just reminded me. So like my I have two daughters, um 15 and 12, and they both just had their like 15-year-old wellness checkup and 12-year-old wellness checkup and they do that. They show them like the chart for the BMI and both of my daughters are tall. They're very tall and they're very thin. But I'm like why are you showing them this? Like who cares what their BMI like I just, I need to put that in the note. Like, don't, they don't need to see that. They're kids, they're active, they're in cheer, they're tumble, they're very active. <laughs> and I think, and, and you know what, that brings up a good point. That, that breaks my heart, especially now that I have a daughter, like how it's my responsibility to make sure that she understands that doctors, and, and I'm not taking away the credit of doctors, they have the credentials yeah. for a reason. But, but the majority of their studies when it comes to nutrition, health, and wellness is literally maybe a semester um, of, of understanding versus the, the wealth of knowledge that they probably have around pediatrics, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so I'm, I'm of the mindset where that's my responsibility as a health and wellness. That's your responsibility as a health and wellness um, representative and a professional is we, we talk about the preventative measures. Your child's active. I'm, I'm assuming they're consuming all their calories. They're not yeah. going into extreme caloric deficits. They're not, they're not um, doing anything that could be detrimental to their health. And they're drinking plenty of water. They're getting, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're fine. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, and go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. You finish. Yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say that, you know, I, you know, and, and being in the fitness industry and, and I've been a representative for supplement companies and I've had parents come up to me and tell me that their children child needs to lose weight. And you're a mom, you know, that mm-hmm. kids wider before they get taller. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's normal. There's, you know, they, they, you need fat in order for the hormone balance to be efficient, right? They go through a wider growth spurt. They gain a little fat before they gain a little height. And it just continues. And, and, you know, unless it's hereditary or um, there's some other issues that, that surround health, right? Like, a, a, like it's a genetic disposition for, for someone to be obese. And that's a different con- uh, conversation. But overall, our, our conversations, especially around children, we need to start talking about like, hey, how do you feel? You know, do you feel good in your body? Are you performing well? Um, how's your recovery weight? Can we, because we also need to talk about their growth spurts too. Mm-hmm. I can go on and on about that. I think, I think <laughs> that's another conversation for teenagers that really needs to happen. Yeah, I do too. Mm-hmm. Um, so then you said fitness and I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about fitness, but I want to hear um, what's your fitness routine? You know, uh, I'm a postpartum mom of six months, so I have a six-month-old, uh-huh. and um, while I was pregnant, I just tried to manage three days a week, maybe five if I can for including some recovery and stretching, um, you know, and before I was pregnant, I was probably pretty consistent about five to seven days if I could, and that included active recovery, mm-hmm. um, you know, some strength training, uh, mobility training, range of motion training, but now it's it's completely shifted because I'm learning about my body, my new body as a mom, mm-hmm. right? Like it's wild. I, <laughs> I, I thought I had it in the bag when I, you know, was pregnant and had this idea of like, Oh, I'm going to be, I'm going to just bounce right back. And honestly, my back was probably the first thing that I feel anytime I move. And so yeah. I'm about three days a week 
now when it comes to my own personal training and and going into fitness and and introducing myself and so i'm i'm now back to three times a week strength training Mm -hmm. Um, and i actually i i take since i own a gym i take my trainer's class um and she teaches like a 9 a.m class that i take every monday wednesday friday and that for me is enough like yeah. I took her abs class yesterday and my abs are on fire um, <laughs> but but that's my routine and then the other days that I'm I'm not taking a strength training class I'm taking my daughter out for a walk or a, a light hike or something easy just to mm-hmm. kind of keep my body moving I also don't want to uh, my biggest fear is to burn too many calories yeah uh, which will stop me from breastfeeding mm-hmm what would you say to someone or let's first, let's talk about, um, strength training and lifting weights because I, for myself, I'll just talk about myself. So I had, um, I had, um, an unhealthy relationship with working out and I was just cardio, 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 but it it was like, I'd run five miles every single day and then go to power yoga. And you don't think about it because you're like, well, I'm working out, I'm doing something healthy, but I was like, my life, revolved around working out. Um, and now I'm trying to be like, I'm in my forties. I need to lift weights. How do you remind females, especially like lifting weights, isn't going to make them bigger or bulky Yeah, and it's good for your health. (laughs) I, I remember listening to your last podcast. I think you were sick and you're, and you were talking about like, Oh, I'm back in this. I want to, I want to get into strength training. And I love that. I was so like, Hey, yeah, do it. Absolutely. I think, I think, you know, especially because we're older, right. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an older mom. So I think if it wasn't for strength training, I don't think I would have recovered as well as I Mm -hmm. did. And for someone who is just starting out, for example, like yourself or or not even starting out, but just like Mm -hmm. coming back into it and trying to get comfortable with it. You know, honestly, if you want longevity, this, Strength training is the way to go. The older we get, the harder it is to move safely in our body. Your yeah. stability goes, your um, center of gravity starts to deteriorate. Everything around functional life, everything that you want to do starts to go. At least for me, I remember after 35, my body started to make some uh, noticeable changes, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, it was harder for me to move around. It was harder for me to to get up, to get down, to stay on a regimen, to recover. Oh my gosh, recovering is really, really challenging for me now that I'm older. And so, you know, for women who who are nervous about strength training, first and foremost, I recommend that you find a trainer or or communicate with someone that you feel safe to train with because there are trainers out there that will push too hard, too fast too soon and that could cause some injuries but I would find someone who specializes or who is familiar with working with women who are older and introducing weightlifting progressively and safely to somebody Um, second look at it as a form of longevity don't look at it as a form of weight loss look at it as like I want to grow up with my grandkids I want Mm -hmm. to you know, I want to watch my grandkids get born. I want to, I want to be able to carry them because the, you know, newborns get big pretty fast. Yeah. Um, and they go from seven pounds to 25 overnight. And you're like, how did this happen? Mm-hmm. And, you know, so you, so you got to stay, stay strong just for living, right? Mm-hmm. Most injuries occur when it comes to the older population because they don't pick up their feet, right? My mom, yeah. my mom is a great example of that. She broke her hip. And I, and I assume I wasn't there, but I assume after communicating with her that it was probably because she had slipped on something because Mm -hmm. her feet weren't lifting as high as they should, should be going. We tend to drag our feet more as soon as we go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about entrepreneurship. Um, your husband and yourself, you own a gym. How did you guys get into this? So so funny to say this. Can I talk about <laughs> how we got introduced? Like mm-hmm. the very how we met. So we met at a gym. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was I was competing for Hawaiian Tropic at the time, and he was a sales associate 
for LA Fitness. He wasn't even a trainer at the time. Mm-hmm. And he, um, he had approached me trying to sell me personal training. And I'm like, dude, I don't need personal training. I'm fine. Like, I'm good. I was a cardio bunny, right? That's all I did. Uh-huh, yeah. Cardio machines and ate maybe a thousand calories a day. I, I just didn't have any time for anything else. And so um, we found a lot of things in common and eventually just built a relationship and a friendship. And um, we were always active. We were always going to the gym together. We were always, uh, you know, riding our bikes together. So there was, uh, our whole life is really uh, surrounded around being active with each other for the last 14 years, I want to say. And so we, we, kind of stuck with it and and the and he eventually got his personal training certification I really did not want to be a personal trainer at all as a matter of fact I I had other you know dreams and aspirations of becoming a model and doing mm-hmm. other things being a trainer was not one of them I did not want to be people's therapist I was too um, self-absorbed at the time to really pay attention to, to anything around me and so eventually I I started coaching at a small little CrossFit gym and um, just a boot camp class and fell mm-hmm. in love with the coaching aspect of it. And I eventually picked up my first client there. And from there, I um, uh, got an offering at another job to be a trainer there. And all they, I remember them handing me a clipboard full of phone numbers and people's names. And they said, you know, all you need to do is book assessments and fill your book. And I was like, what does that mean? They said, just call people. And I was like, oh, that's mm-hmm. easy. I, I have no problem calling people. I'm, I, I love talking. I love sharing. I love bringing people in. I love um, the sales aspect, I guess, of it. And uh, eventually, I was able to fill my books pretty quickly and had a, um, a significant amount of personal training clients and eventually was able to help being more on like the, the management assist side. Um, and one, one day Will and I just kind of went in our own path and rebuilt our garage and turned it into a little gym, started bringing clients into there and started working out of our own home. Um, that eventually turned into looking for locations and we found the location that we are currently at now and fell in love with it. And, um, it's. It's nice to be my own manager. At the same time, um, I I wouldn't change it for the world. Mm-hmm. And one of the hardest experiences of my life. But I would yeah. I wouldn't want to change it. Like I absolutely mm-hmm. love it. How did um how has COVID affected it? Wow. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's it's interesting in 2000. 19 is when we officially officially opened our doors and when we when we opened our doors we had the expectation of just doing pretty good right mm-hmm. like we were just we were just getting our footing in marketing we, were, we had just you know celebrated one year and we were so thankful for everybody's participation and really making us who we were and uh literally that weekend uh, we got the notice that we had to shut down our doors for, for two weeks. I don't know if you remember that. It was just yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just to, to soften the curve or lower the curve. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's not a big deal. Like, mm-hmm. we can do this. And we just took everything. And um, we had a member who is a ride or die. They helped us take um, a couple of pieces of equipment to our house so we could still provide services for those two weeks online. Yeah. Um, Facebook. We're like, good. Let's let's give back on Facebook for free. It's not a big deal. And eventually, that two weeks turned into like a month, and then a month mm-hmm. turned into three, and then three months turned into six, and then six months turned into, you know, and and that's what made it hard. Then we started to have to rent out equipment for a certain amount of money because we weren't making the money. We mm-hmm. lost over we lost over fifty percent of revenue. Uh, I'm sorry, sixty percent of the revenue in yeah. Our business. And pretty much lived off of donations and people buying our pieces online. Like, and mm-hmm. it's funny, right before we closed, one of my, one of my clients at the time taught me how to create an online store with, without the knowledge that we were going to shut down. 
yeah like was, she's like oh like here's how you create an online store this is what you do yada, yada. i'm like oh this is cool like i'm pretty self-sufficient the second i learned something i could pick it up pretty quickly mm-hmm. and if it wasn't for that online store i i have no idea how we would yeah and how and you know and donations and people some people who kept their memberships and some people um our landlord was fabulous about being uh kind enough to to not have a space with a significant amount of rent throughout the, the the year and i can't say that for most of my colleagues who also have businesses but it was the hardest experience one of the hardest experiences of of our um career as business owners because we just we it, every day was just like live by the studio pants. I just mm-hmm. remember waking up with so much stress, Nikki. Like my jaw, <laughs> I had seen day the whole experience of COVID because you're on edge. And, mm-hmm. as, and as a health and wellness professional, you know, we're trying to push health, but but gyms were dubbed as such a negative space to be around, right? If yeah. you were a trainer, or if you were in the fitness field, like you were almost a target. Mm-hmm. And um, and so it was really hard to try to manage and, and you know, uh, manage not only my own personal emotions, but everybody else's emotions around us. Yeah. I had, so the December before um, COVID happened or we were, you know, in lockdown and stuff, uh-huh. um, uh an opportunity to buy a yoga studio came to me and I was really pondering it so much like, you know, my hut asking my husband, my parents, you know, what they think and everything. Um, but it came down to my kids are really, really busy and I drive them everywhere at night. I just, and I work full time too. I was just like, it's not the right time one day. Yes, it is in my dream, but not right now. And it was going to switch over from the the current owner to the new owner, like two weeks before COVID happened. So I was like, oh, well, is I mean, the new owner now has done an amazing job and it's really flourishing now. But I thought at the time that even sealed in, it wasn't the right time for me, but I did start yeah. a YouTube channel then. <laughs> and I was and doing you know my what? workouts and yoga flows on that. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, people who do that and who were able to pivot phenomenal like that's Mm -hmm. what we did the same thing too and it was it you know it kept the people who supported you involved with yeah making sure they were able to support you and I think and I think people like trainers like us or people who Mm -hmm. are in the fitness field and professionally health-wise it's like that was that was our only option yeah you know Mm -hmm. I mean I I don't know about you but and and I'd love to hear what your thoughts on this but like for me, I eventually got super burnt out. I'm such an in-person mm-hmm. person. I love connecting more on an emotional level, like, and having really authentic conversations because human connection, like as much as I enjoy talking to you, I'm, I'm just an outgoing person. I love yeah. being in person with people too, mm-hmm. and having those depths and conversations. That is what happened to me too, because I was doing like videos once a week on YouTube, but then I was doing lives on Instagram or Facebook, um, for my students or clients. And then, um, now like my YouTube channel, I think I post like one every other month now. And I, I don't do, I only do lives in my private Facebook group now, but it's like randomly. Um, but that's a, the same thing. Like I missed, um, putting the music playlist together and because I could, couldn't do it, can't do it on Instagram because sometimes they'll kick you off and say like, you don't own the rights and stuff. Right. So, um, but I missed that. And, but now I started my own business too. Um, and I'm doing like privates, but online, like I send, like, for instance, the client I'm working with right now, um, yoga flows. So I just film those and then I'll send her the yoga flow or a meditation or something. So I do like that because we do zoom. So we are connecting, um, yes. live. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and, um, you know, you, it makes you a better, at least in my view, uh, a better trainer and a better, uh, at least it taught me how to communicate better. 
Because yeah. if I saw something, and you probably experienced this too, right? Like if you see something with one of your clients, whoever it is that you're training, and you're you're looking at their form, you're like, oh, I need to tell you how to do something versus show you. Mm-hmm. And it was so easy for us to just like, you know, touch and move and, and not, I mean, not like not joint manipulate, but yeah, but still like, okay, just tilt here a little bit. It's like, we weren't able to touch and kind of show what we wanted from our clients. Now it's like, you verbally have to enrich your vocabulary to be able to say, this is what I want to perform safely and do it correctly or this way. So mm-hmm. I get it. I totally yeah. get it. Um, so I ask all of my clients uh, or my clients, my list, my guests, <laughs> yeah. um, what their morning routine is. If they have, if you have a morning routine or a nighttime routine, um, can you share it with us, please? Yeah. So I, my morning routine is pretty consistent. I try to wake up at 5am and I, the first thing I do is put some cold water on my face. I love the feeling of just that cold water on my face. Um, I, I don't use a lot of products, so I'll just put a little cold water, maybe a very mild soap or gentle soap on my face. And then I'll brush, brush my teeth. Um, I do like to brush my teeth before I eat, eat breakfast. And so uh, do I. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like a reset. It's like mm-hmm. a reset on, on my breath or some, or, or my taste buds. It's so yeah. people talk that kind of thing. And then I'll make my breakfast and I drink a ton of water again because I'm a breastfeeding mom. And then I'll go into maybe um, uh, if I can, I'll start to journal. Uh, mm-hmm. If I don't journal, then I'll just look at my day. One of the biggest things that I do is my, my business coach gave me something earth. I, I purchased his uh, legacy planner, which really plans out my day and my, my month to help me reach my business goals um, and my year, to be honest with you. That's mm-hmm. what I love about it. It's like, it's a, it's a, it helps me plan my business goals for the whole, for the whole um, year. And so I'll go over that and see, okay, what does my day look like? So that's my morning routine. My nighttime routine is really all around my daughter. And well, in the morning, as soon as she wakes up, then I start to feed her and get, get her ready to yeah. go to work. My nighttime routine is also pretty simple. I, I really just wind down with a warm shower after I feed my daughter, put her to bed, um, wind down with a warm shower. And I love to do just a mild five minute stretch before I go to bed because I hold all my tension in my neck. Yeah. So it's really simple. Brush my teeth, of course, and put that in there. And I just do a mild stretch five to 10 minutes. And then I go to bed. I keep it really simple. Yeah. So do I, it's hard sometimes like to fit it in. And I think because I, um, teach like mindset and mindfulness, but it's really quick and small bursts. And I think that's where a lot of people get scared to either work out or meditate because they think you have to spend hours on it, like hours on a morning routine and you don't. Not at all. And you know, it's funny that you say meditate. I forgot to add like while I'm in bed, I just do some deep breathing techniques mm-hmm. just to wind everything down. It's like a four, four count inhale, two count hold, and then a six count exhale. Yeah. That really just gives me a peace of mind and helps me end my day very well, regardless of what state of mind I'm in. Yeah. I love breath work too. It's hard sometimes to remind myself to use it when I'm in the moment, but I love it. <laughs> totally. I know. When we get in the moment, it's like, whatever, I'm just going to try to live yeah. by the my face. Um, so you are also an author too. So it's stretch for success, a guide to help competitors feel their best and move great on stage. How did this come about? So it was, uh, it was, it was during the pandemic that was, um, brought to my inspiration by my business coach. He said, listen, nobody has written a book about stretching mobility and the importance that it has on your presentation on stage you should think about writing that book and I'm like yeah yeah sure I could totally do that and Mm -hmm. I and I put it I I developed the outline I did everything I could just kind of create what I wanted it to look like and then I eventually said to myself I'm like okay I'll I'll publish it but I got in my head 
and was incredibly worried about the perception of what people would think about the book. Um, you know, the is anybody going to buy it uh, mentality? Is people really going to like the, the book? It's a very niche book, but at the same time, um, you know, I I was like, I really do think that this will change the game for a lot of competitors, yeah. especially who are just starting out. For me, my trainer, J.R. Rice, is the person that really inspired me to write this book because he was the one that gave me those stress regimens during my workouts and after my workouts to make me move and feel better on stage. I wasn't at my prime when I was competing in Hawaiian Tropics. I was at my prime competing as an MPC competitor. And, and I say that because I really understood my body on a whole different level, implementing, mm-hmm. stretching, increasing my strength training, right? And just feeling yeah. more confident and comfortable in my body. I felt strong. I still feel strong. Um, I feel beautiful. I feel like I can move more efficiently. Like things feel more balanced in my body. And, and, and having that stress regimen really was a game changer in how I felt um, on stage. And so I, I'm an advocate for people to be like, listen, you got to, you got to include the stress regimen into your, yeah. your lifestyle now. And I keep telling my husband, he's a runner and he lifts weights. Um, he goes to the gym and lifts weights and he will not stretch. He will not <laughs> even, I'm a yoga instructor and he won't do yoga. <laughs> I, I am still battling with my, he's, my husband's gotten better, but I am still battling, um, trying to influence him to get him uh, a, con- a consistent regimen. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, again, it, it takes what it takes. And, and the thing that I've learned being, being one of these trainers that people come to when they're in pain, right. Mm-hmm. Is that he'll, when he's ready, he'll come when he's in pain. Yeah. I, I can't force people to do it, you know, and as yeah, much as I want true. it for him and I, you know, and as much as mm-hmm. you know, how, how good it is for you, for your husband, everybody comes at their, their own time. Yeah. <laughs> so frustrating. um so sometimes I like to ask my Instagram followers um when I'm going to have a guest on I tell them about my guest and then I like to ask them um if they have any questions so I got um some questions for you um you at the beginning you kind of um touched on this a little bit but um one of the questions was do you focus on fitness and diet trends or do you stick to the tried and true basics Oh, I keep it simple with the basics now. I think the younger mm-hmm. self would have been like all for the trends and the fads and what's mm-hmm. new and what's popping. And honestly, I just want to be more functional and be able to move efficiently throughout my life. Yeah. Now that I'm older, I think that's more important to me right now. Not the aesthetics. The aesthetics will come, but it's really yeah. for me just, let's just keep it simple. Is that how you um, teach your clients too? Or like people that come to you and they want to do a trend, but you. Yeah. So it depends on the client. Some, mm-hmm. I, I do have some competitors who, who want to go that route. And so then I'll do a reverse diet with them safely. But, but at the same time, I, I'm, if it's just like a level one client, who's just trying to lose weight, right. A very mm-hmm. general statement of get toned. It's like, okay, well, let's learn about what that means and what that looks like for you and how that fits into your lifestyle. Because everybody's lifestyle is so different. Some people are more sedentary than others. Some people are more active yeah. than others. So it's really about like, what can we do to figure this out for this individual person? Mm -hmm. Um, What got you started in the fitness industry? Um, You know, uh, I've always been a pretty active person. I think, I think what got me started in competing was my friend. Oh gosh, what's her name? It's, uh, I'm looking at a picture right now because it's always been crazy. She was a, a Hawaiian tropic competitor with myself and I, um, I, I saw her in a flex magazine and I looked at that magazine and I was like, Oh, I got to reach out to her. So I emailed her and I said, Hey, how'd you get into it? She's like, you know, remember that competition I was telling you that you could do with me? And I was like, yeah. She's like, that's how I got into it. And I was like, well, what do I do? And she kind of gave me some bullet point things to do and how to get into it. And I just fell in love with the industry. Um, a, because I can eat more, especially for mm-hmm. muscle growth. Um, but, but then I can also push my body into a different athletic state of mind instead of just being the cardio bunny that was just trying to look good for a pageant, you know? And, yeah. and it really changed my mind about how I look at myself and my body. And I just fell in love with it. 
Yeah. Um, I really like this next question. What would you like to see change in the industry? I, I would really like to see the conversations around our bodies change, especially women. Um, mm-hmm. Both men and women do struggle with the uh, meeting the, the superficial um, ideology of what a body should and should not look yeah. like. I think we need to start having conversations around um, in different cultures, people of color. Um, I think we need to start having conversations around uh, genetic dispositions and and not blame our genetics for, for being sedentary, but, mm-hmm. but really talk about like, what are you capable of doing? You know, somebody who's five, two is not going to be a, a, a high-end fashion model at 110 pounds, five ten, right? They may yeah. be a great power lifter. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about what they can do and the, the, the way their body can exceed rather than, you know, limiting or restricting our body. I, I think there's, there's, there's things that we need to start having conversations about just um, looking at individuals and instead of having these expectations that are completely unrealistic and saying, you know, let's, let's be real about what you can do and not what you can't do. Mm-hmm. And so I think, I think there's so many conversations that I want to see changed and, I, and especially the diet, the diet culture. Needs to yeah. I'm so over it. I, I, I I'm know. so tired mm-hmm. of, of fighting with what's a good and bad food. I'm tired of fighting with with people's perceptions of of what food looks like to them and I, I i hope that really changes with a lot of other trainers that come after after myself and yourself mm-hmm. i had it was a few years ago and my youngest saw and I, so it was a few years ago she's 12 now um she saw on like something on social media. I don't even remember where it was, but it was like saying that carbs are bad. And she was like, I can't eat carbs. I was like, yes, you can. And I was like, yeah. so mad. <laughs> I was like, yeah. first I was like, well, I got to monitor what you're watching better, <laughs> but yeah. Right. But yeah. Um, what would you like to see continue in the fitness and nutrition industry? Um, you know, I would, I would love to see support and mm-hmm. advocate um, continue for our for our people that are our clients. I want to see, um, I want to see that, and and I want to see, and especially this is something new that I've been seeing a trend a lot of is a lot of coaches are becoming more conscious about their clients and not looking at at it as a sales number. Um, yeah. Over the course of the last five ten years, I've I've followed coaches who are about coaching the coaches to be better coaches. And that's a trend that I'm seeing that's been really, really prominent in our industry. And Mm -hmm. I think that's so valuable because it brings it back to the client and it brings it back to advocating for our clients. And and I think, you know, when when we really advocate for our clients, they're going to be A, our biggest sense of referrals. Um, They're going to tell other people about us, but B, um, they're going to, if we're good coaches, they're going to have the wealth to spread to other people as well, because health is wealth. And when we as coaches mm-hmm. provide great information and education, not only do our clients get to be advocates for us, but they get to be advocates for someone else. And I think that's so valuable because it, it really is a tribe when it comes to getting our health back in order. Yeah. Yeah, it does. I love that. Um, how has your mindset shifted and changed since you started? I do remember talking a little bit about this in the beginning. I was I was practicing core practices, and um, uh, it was very diet culture. It was very surrounded around like, oh, let's do an Atkins diet. Let's try this. Let's try that. Whatever helps to, to try to lose the weight. Um, my mindset is completely different now. I I do not um, enforce extreme dieting. I I look at the biopsychosocial aspect of a client and figure out what what are the home behaviors that need to change first before we make those larger uh, significant changes, or that will help benefit the, the end goal of your health. Um, and it could be something as simple as just do a five minute movement, you know, yeah. like something like mm-hmm. that. So, so I my approach is a, a softer approach and really looking at um, things a little more in depth. Yeah. Um, how have you evolved and grown as a trainer? And we'll take it as a person, as a human too. Yeah. 
you know, uh, I'm a mom now, so it's wild. Mm -hmm. Like I, I'm, um, you know, as now my, my, I've evolved as, um, my first priority is my daughter and, and I'm sure you understand that. Like that's everything I do now is around my daughter. And I didn't think I would change much after I had a little girl because we didn't know what we were having until she was born. Mm -hmm. And now that she's born, I was like, everything I once believed in is out the window because now Mm -hmm. I have a little girl that I have to be a mentor for and I have to be a a guide for. I'm no longer just a coach for my clients, but now I have to really follow that up with being a coach for my daughter. So whatever Mm -hmm. I teach my clients, it goes to my daughter as well. Like I really want to emphasize um, that, that I'm her advocate as well as my client's advocate. I'm, 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 because again, I was so self-absorbed and into my aesthetics and what I look like and how important that was. And to be quite honest with you, now it's like, I have a little girl and mm-hmm. it is my responsibility to make sure that she's not in that space. Yeah. Um, okay. So then let's, do you have, um, for uh, some postpartum questions, um, postpartum clients, what do you say to them? You, if you're still, if you're struggling significantly with postpartum, at least in my experience, I've learned to be very open or find somebody that I trust that values, because um, I know nothing about postpartum. And mm-hmm. what I've learned is only through my experience. And I have found that there are moms who want to give complete unsolicited advice that completely goes against my ideology, that completely goes against my beliefs. You know, mm-hmm. when I made the decision to breastfeed 100%, moms were like, well, you know, formula is great too. And it's like, well, our species has been doing it for millions of years. And you want yeah. to stop something that I feel so passionately about. Like, I, I had a really difficult time with that. And then, you know, um, but I found moms who were like-minded and, and maybe not even like-minded, maybe they didn't really agree hundred percent with what I believed in, but they supported my belief system. And they said, you know, whatever we can do to support you, let us know. And we can make sure that that happens, you know? So I had moms who are very formula based who were like, cool, do you need food so you can be able to supply your daughter with me? I'm like, yes, because I'm, I, I don't know how to cook for the first three months of having a baby I, I don't know yeah like all that goes out the window right like I don't know anything I just know how to change the diaper feed her drink water change the diaper feed her drink water I wasn't even showering mm-hmm. um and then and you know and really learn how to set your boundaries you know and um they they say you're a mama bear for a reason yeah um you know I've 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 learned that Again, not everybody's going to want to deal with you, uh, not deal with you, um, agree with your beliefs, but, but you're allowed to say no, because this is mm-hmm. especially for first time mom, it's really hard. And when you have the opportunity and when you're cleared to move, get outside, get some sunshine. That's yeah. so important. Like I've lo- I remember locking myself in my house for a couple of weeks because I was just so scared for my daughter. And I was like, no, I got to get outside. And so I eventually did. Yeah. Um, and then that turned into a little bit of exercise here and there. And just find a support group. Find people around mm-hmm. you that really support your beliefs. So um, there's a lot of advice. But it's, yeah. It's Do you have any clients that come to you and they want to instantly bounce back to their pre-baby weight? Yes, all the time. And I usually yeah. tell them like, what I do I yeah I'm I'm very honest and transparent like I this is not what I do um but this is what I can do and mm-hmm. if you're the if you still want to stay with me and I know I've, I've developed a relationship with trainers who do know how to do that um whether it's safe or not is none of my business but but it's it's not my it's not my route to take and mm-hmm. I I don't feel like I'm doing an ethical service if I take on those clients promising something that is not yeah going to be possible I'm not even at my pre-baby weight I'm yeah I'm 20 pounds heavier than I've ever been but I I've also learned to accept and love my new body 
And so mm-hmm. that's what I try to advocate for those postpartum moms is to say like, hey, listen, let's try to, let's look at what you can do. Let's go back yeah. to what you can and not, not the pre-baby weight because mm-hmm. I don't know what the pre-baby weight was and I don't know what you were eating before. I don't know if you were in a caloric deficit for days on end. I don't, and I don't want to enforce that, you know? Yeah. So, um, so I, I try to reframe the mindset around what pre-baby weight means. Mm-hmm. I had with my second daughter, I had really bad, well, I have anxiety as is, I'm diagnosed with anxiety as is, but after I had her, I had really bad post um, partum anxiety and it was really bad. And I lost more weight than what I was before. And everyone, you know, the like, oh my God, you, how did you do that? How? And I'm like, I didn't do anything. Like I was anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. That's an anxiety. Like (laughs) habit two, here you go. (laughs) My God. Uh, um, What advice do you wish you could give your younger self? Don't text him back. (laughs) (laughs) Leave him alone. Don't text him back. no, honestly, I, I think, and it goes back to, and I, and I joke, and I, I remember thinking about this question and being like, yeah, that's one of them. That's one of them. Um, sorry, my phone's going to die. So I'm going I'm to make this quick. I think my younger self, just be kind and don't worry about it. Keep moving forward. It's only going to get better, before, or it's going to get worse before it gets better, but it will always get better. That's my yeah. biggest form of it. I love that. Um, where can the listeners find you? And I'll leave this all in the show notes too. Sure. Uh, Instagram at Avina Del Pizzo, Facebook, um, Avina Del Pizzo. Um, you can DM me anytime I'm available, anytime to talk or ask questions to privately as well. So any of your listeners, listeners that are out there, um, they can definitely find me anywhere and reach out to me anytime. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It was really nice meeting you. Thank you so much, Mickey, for having me. I really loved chatting with you. I hope we have an opportunity to do it in the future. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this week's episode of Fit, Fun, and Frazzled. Please leave a rating and a review if you enjoyed this episode. If you learned something from this episode, share it with someone else you think might benefit from it. Reach out to Avina. Everything where you could find her, her Instagram, Facebook, website will be linked in my show notes. As always, guys, take care of yourself, pour your cup, put on your oxygen mask, do something for yourself. I appreciate you guys so much. Have a great day.